0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. You can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. You can find us now on our YouTube channel. Just search Believe in Falcons, where you will see me waving my arms like I am right now. If you're already checking us out on YouTube, thank you so much. Uh, Just tap that thumbs up button if you enjoy our content. If not, leave a comment and let us know what we can do better. Uh, Always looking to learn. But we have a great show on deck for you guys today. I'm going to be joined by Kevin Knight, my Colleague over at the Falcoholic, and soon to be my co- colleague here at the Believe Podcast Network, where the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast will be joining us. So I'm very excited to get the chance to talk to Kevin today to have him kind of on board for what should be a really exciting draft and honestly a really, really fun 2023 season. So on deck for today, we are going to be going through a mock draft. Uh, just drafting with our hearts. You know, we're throwing logic out the window. We know what the Falcons should do. You know, we know what all of the needs could be in the, the third round, depending on what happens in the first or second round. No, no, no. We're throwing all of that out the window. Just who are the guys we want on this team? It doesn't matter that they've added like five outside edge guys to this defense. If you want an edge guy in the third round, go grab him. That is the mindset that we are bringing into today's show it runs a little bit long as you know honestly these things tend to do because there's so much stuff to talk about it's so exciting right now um so i'm gonna make things quick here up at the top uh since i last spoke to y'all uh the falcons added bud dupree again kind of just what i was talking about they are throwing a lot at the wall to see what sticks but i like the mix of veterans with the young guys that they have on the edge, like an Arnold Evacati, like an Ade Ogundeji, like a Taquan Graham, D'Angelo Malone, you know, they're getting some older guys in here to also help build this thing all out. Um, so I really, really like what they've continued to do on the defense. I kind of don't think there's going to be too much more coming down the pipe before the draft. Uh, I think they've done a lot of throat clearing and as Kevin... They can go in any conceivable direction that they want to uh, in this year's draft, which makes them one of the most fun teams, but also the most uh, frustrating team, in my opinion, because I have to figure out what they're trying to do. And I have absolutely no idea. Uh, So we kind of go through that whole crisis (laughs) on today's podcast. Um, So I'm going to kind of shut up and Let us get into it and introduce Kevin and welcome him to the show. So I really hope that you guys enjoy this and I will see you on the back end of that conversation to lay out what we've got planned for you for draft week because we've got a lot coming. Uh, So I just want to give you guys a heads up on all of that. But first, betonline.ag is the number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including player reports for this year's NBA playoffs over at Bet Bet BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as they have you covered for all your sports wagering needs, including basketball, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and right on down to UFC and boxing. So whatever you're interested in, they've got you covered. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games that you can play right from your home. You don't have to be on a bachelor party to go to the casino, guys. You can do it right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that easy. Bet online, where the game starts. All right let's get into this really fun mock draft, drafting with our hearts. Here's Kevin Knight. I'm very excited to welcome to the show and to the Believe Network, Kevin Knight. If you guys have been following the show, you guys obviously know Kevin. He's been a guest on the podcast um, a couple of times before, I believe, Kevin. But just a go-to for Falcons news and he's now going to be a go-to listen on the network. So Kevin, welcome to the show and, and welcome to the, uh, to the Believe family, dude.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Excited to, to be here. Uh, I thought it was great to get, you know, more opportunities to work with you. Will. uh, you just can't seem to escape, <laughs> you know, uh, get it, you can't get away from me. So, uh, no, I think the, the, we, we always do a great job on shows together and I think this will give us even more opportunities to, uh, collaborate and do some crossover shows uh excited to talk to ovi at some point too uh because he's he's a fun guy and yeah, yeah um i think that uh there doesn't have to be a falcons highlander you know show right <laughs> i think you guys you guys all want to listen to as much falcons content as possible and i think this is a great way for us to accomplish that so uh you can come over and, and listen to me on dirty birds and brews as well uh we got several episodes a week and of course falcoholic live still going on youtube on wednesdays at 8 p.m eastern
0: yeah, it was actually the, uh, the latest episode of Falcolic Live uh, with me and Eric Robinson that gave me the idea for today's episode. And, and Kevin, you were the one that, that said it. But basically, to, to run back that episode, we, we went through a live mock draft, or at least when I hopped on, that is what I hopped on late. When I was on, that is what we did. Um, There's a lot of great content before that. But in the midst of that mock draft, you mentioned, you know, are you drafting with your heart or with your head? And that kind of gave me this idea. And maybe it'll be our, our first crossover episode. You know, I, I don't know what you have planned for later on in the week or, or when you want me on the show or at some point. Or even if you do, maybe, maybe the Highlander thing was all a bit on your part. And I'm going to wake up, you know, <laughs> with a, a severed horse's head in my bed um, later tomorrow. So that remains to be seen. But right now, it's all love. Uh, the heart and the head. We're going to draft with our heart today. And so the plan is to go kind of each pick. Or the Falcons um, in the 2023 draft, and just lay out a, a player or two who most likely will be there. You know, you can maybe quibble with that to, to some degree, but if it's within play and it's just a guy that we love with our whole heart and that we just maybe it doesn't make sense, you know, maybe maybe they don't need Anthony Richardson on this team, but but damn, that would just be so much fun. Go get him! Like, that's what we're talking about. I don't think Anthony Richardson is on our list, so I felt safe making that the name to pick, but <laughs> that's the idea. Um, so Kevin, I'm actually going to give you the honors here as the guest and, and let you go first. Number eight, you're on the clock. Now you can spin this a couple of different ways and you can make the pitch that, all right, Tyree Wilson in this scenario, he's dropped to eight or Jalen Carter. If you're just don't worry about the off the field stuff, whatever, I'm going to stop saying players. Cause I don't want to step on your on your thing. That is bad hosting. <laughs> but you get the idea who, uh, who do you draft with your heart here?
1: Yeah. I mean, to me, I always come back to be John Robinson just because it's, it's fun. Um, I think that he would be walking into a unique situation in Atlanta where he doesn't actually have to carry the ball 20 times. This is a situation with Tyler Algier, who is a very good running back. He's not good enough that you would be like, well, you just refuse to take another running back. I mean, as good as Tyler Algier was, it was his rookie season he had a good year, but yes. running backs get hurt, you know, and running backs falter. Uh, things happen, and you you need two mm-hmm. good running backs uh, in today's NFL at least. So I think Bijan coming into Atlanta obviously gives the Falcons a different kind of runner um, than, than Tyler Algier, who is just a yards-after-contact monster, uh, tremendous contact balance, can catch the ball well and that sort of thing, but not... Yeah not a dynamic athlete, right? Like not someone that's going to, he does break off big runs because people can't tackle him, but he he's not going to fly down the field and score long touchdowns. Bijan offers something very different um, in, in his elusiveness, in his just overall athletic profile and his receiving ability, which as good as Tyler Algier is, and I think he he proved that he's very capable in that area. Bijan I think is a rare receiver at running back. Um, You know, he, he didn't, catch a ton of passes but when he they they motioned about to the slot he ran like actual receiver routes from time to time I think I think his ability as a receiver lifts him into a category of running back that is pretty rare to find I mean I think you could look at Todd Gurley as another example of that Um, a guy that was such a good receiver that it just bolstered his profile to such an extent that during his prime you know, we we go back to this a lot, and then D-Led will never let us forget, right, that the Falcons <laughs> took a top projected edge rusher over a running back, yeah. Uh and the they running back had the drastically both. better career. <laughs> yeah. And they did ultimately end up with both, but unfortunately at that point, it was not uh working out great for, for either party. Um, But, you know, I, I think you look at Bijan as just clearly the most talented player Available, I think he's clearly the most talented offensive player in the draft, um mm-hmm, and I sure. think he's a receiver like a quasi receiver. I mean you're gonna play him at running back most of the time, but he's gonna get less carries than he pro- than he probably would be getting if he was just the the guy here, and I think that will lead to longer career arc for him um and that's something that a lot of people complain about when you take a running back early is like, oh well, this guy's just gonna be used up in four years, and then you know. I yeah. think, I think if you mix him with Tyler Algier, let Algier take the late game grinder carries, uh, and keep Bijan fresh, I think it's, it's a good situation for both Bijan and Algier and for the Falcons who, quite frankly, they don't care what the rest of the NFL does. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I love, uh, Damian Parsons, DP, uh, DP draft on, on Twitter for the draft network, one of my guys, but you know, I t- was trying to. He was like, Oh, well, the Falcons should take Jackson Smith and Jigma because he's the best receiver. And I was like, Damien, like, they don't use a slot receiver. And he's like, Well, they can't just ignore slot receiver. That doesn't work. Like, Damien, they, they don't care. They yeah. don't use a slot receiver. Like, less than 25% of snaps. So, like, maybe JSN could play outside.
0: But go look at, yeah, just personnel packages during Arthur Smith's tenure. And even though their offenses, the styles were totally different, like the first year, very pass heavy, second year, very run heavy. The the usage of the guys on the field and the positions that were on the field didn't change that much. Like he likes to have tight ends on the field, fullbacks, big receiver, like the versatility and not just a, all right, we're going to go 11 personnel and we've got Harry Douglas out of the slot every single snap. You know, like that's not the type of offense that he's built to run.
1: Yeah. So um, that's why I I think Bijan's the better fit because look, they're going to use utilize multiple running backs. And if they need a slot receiver, you got Bijan. So (laughs) (laughs) you got like, he could just go out and play. He's your slot receiver. There you go. Um, So, yeah, I, I I think that's, that's definitely the hard pick because I think it would be fun. I also think there's compelling arguments as to why taking a running back, you know, in the top 10, maybe not the most, efficient use of resources but i also think the best way to win consistently is to just take good players and just not miss Uh, i think that's sort of an underrated aspect of drafting in general (laughs) like if you just take good players at all your picks and positional value be damned you'll probably be a very 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 good football team but uh get kind of lost in the weeds i think sometimes trying to pick the most valuable position at this spot uh and then you end up with Vic Beasley sometimes, where you did take the more valuable position, but guess what? You didn't get the best player and it didn't help your team as much as it could have. Um, so, you know, more to it than just X position over Y position. Uh, that's why scouting is so fun, right? Because you never really know uh, what the right move is.
0: <laughs> this may be the biggest stretch of a metaphor that I've ever made on this show, which is saying something, but. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's like in Ski Ball. Everybody in the draft is always going for that 500 in the corner pocket where they just want to hit it perfectly, where they hit a position of value, a position of need with a great player. And Kevin's over here just being like, you know what? This 20, that's just like two up. I'm just going to hit like seven balls in this little 20 hole and I'm going to beat you 140 to nothing because you're going to miss on all of those 500s. Like that's that's the approach that you advocate for, Kevin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I probably am a little higher than 20, you know, like I think I can hit that 30 pretty consistently. Okay, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm an avid ski baller, but yeah, you know, so hopefully, you know, you get there, but yes, the, the point remains like efficiency, consistently getting, yeah. I mean, if you, you know, move it to baseball, consistently hitting doubles probably mm-hmm. more likely to win you the game than just hitting an occasional home run. So, um, so that, that, that's why I, I do lean Bijan. And even though it sort of flies in the face of, Even my own takes a few years ago, you know, where I was very (laughs) against the Falcons considering running backs high. um, You know, I think things change. change. Like
0: having Arthur Smith and seeing what we've seen from this run game. Now it makes you excited about adding a player in this type of facet, right? It's somebody who can really take it to the next level behind an offensive line that really looked great as a run blocking unit. So I I think, again, we're drafting with our heart here. Bijan Robinson, it's, it's not hard to sell that because he is so much fun. He is an exciting player. Again, I like to say he's not the same type of player as a um, Derrick Henry, but he's the same type of talent. It's just a different way of using that talent. And yeah, I, I think he's great pass catcher as well. So that makes a lot of sense. I I think that this could be an offense heavy draft. I still just wonder I've been increasingly thinking about Peter Skronsky, and he was on my short list of guys to go with here because that would just be such a Falcons move where we've been sitting here talking about Avijan Robinson or talking about, you know, some pro- premier positions, some fun positions, a corner, an edge rusher, a receiver, like a running back. And they'll just be like, you know what, we're going to take this guy who <laughs> keeps getting... Compared favorably to like Zach Martin, and we're just gonna yeah. slide him in at left guard. And he's gonna, we're now gonna have Chris Lindstrom and Peter Skronsky as our guards for the next five, six years and just keep our run game going. So I think that's a very logical move if this were our, our head draft and, and not to get too far ahead of myself, because I don't know if that mm-hmm. would be my pick yeah, but, there. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense, (laughs) but I'm going with the other side of the ball and I'm going to keep adding to this defensive line with Tyree Wilson, who in this exercise that I did was still there um, at number eight, when the Falcons were picking, there's a chance that, that he's there. He could be gone, you know, Seattle at five, like a lot of people like to mock him there, but his length and strength are elite. We talked a lot about this uh, on the mock draft show uh, for the Falcolic live, just kind of pairing him with Calais Campbell and allowing him to learn uh, underneath somebody who has, had a lot of success in the NFL matching Tyree Wilson's kind of profile, his athletic abilities and and gifts. And it's really hard to like, this is why not all great players uh, in any sport make great coaches because how do you, if you're Deion Sanders, how do you coach what has made you great? You just have elite Twitch. You have a, a mindset that cannot be passed along to anybody. Like, there are just non-transferable skills that certain players have. But a match between a player like Tyree Wilson and Clayus Campbell, like they can speak the same language and kind of be like, do it this way. It works for guys like us. And I think that that makes it really exciting. So if I continue to want to invest in this defense and put my heart and soul into this defense, adding a player like Tyree Wilson, who you pair him with Arnold Abicati, they now represent the young upside for the future. And you then can kind of continue to surround them with veterans like a Lorenzo Carter or a Cleus Campbell on these short-term deals as these complementary pieces. They don't have to be your top two aces in in your pitching rotation. You can just add a number three or number four each offseason and kind of keep things rolling along. So Tyree Wilson, you know, I've talked myself into him, I think, as draft season has gone along a little bit more. But I, I would like what he would bring to this defensive line and and what I think... They are looking to build here.
1: Yeah i I mean i I banged the table for for Tyree Wilson uh, in the last live mock draft. I took him in the mock draft that came out yesterday, Monday, on the Falcoholic. Um And I mean, I think he he makes a lot of both logical and heart sense for the team. I mean, I think it checks both <laughs> yeah. boxes, honestly, because does. he he does fit that size profile. I think he's a logical guy to to slot in. To learn behind Calais Campbell for a year. I think he gives them something they don't already have on the roster in another big end to play on early downs. And I think his ceiling is super high, high enough that you would definitely consider him as a top 10 caliber player. Um he's got work to do as a pass rusher, but again, when you're that naturally talented, you can just you can just athlete and and power your way into some sacks in production. Like you don't yeah. have to have the best technique because sometimes you'll just make it happen um and he's such a relentless player in terms of his motor and his, his pursuit effort that he's gonna get effort sacks too so i wrote um, down you know, laser I, focused
0: yeah. on the ball yeah like that dude is like a bull who just sees red and is yeah. just running after the quarterback
1: yeah so it i i value that competitive toughness very highly in my in my evaluation um and he, he scored, you know, an elite grade in that for me because it, it, that translates. Um, and if you're that working that hard on the field, I, I have a strong inkling that you're working that hard off the field too. So it gives me a lot of faith in your long-term projection, uh, as well. So yeah, Tyree Wilson, good, good, good pick there for sure.
0: Thank you. You know, who else, uh, values that competitive toughness? Uh, Pete Carroll. So there's a, there is a yeah, decent chance yeah. that Tyree Wilson ends Dan up in, in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> Dan, Dan Quinn. Uh, Dan Quinn. trading all the way up for Tyree Wilson. Is that going to solve their problems? Um, All right, let's go to the uh, second round. Pick number 44. I'm curious who you have here, Kevin, because not only do I think there's increasing likelihood that the Falcons could trade back in the first round and then kind of maybe be picking twice in the second round, but I think that they move from this pick as well, depending on how that goes, just because a lot of these players seem more stacked up between maybe like picks 25 to 50. Uh, as opposed to like the top 25. So what do you have the Falcons doing in the second round?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think with my head, right? And we, I won't, you know, talk talk about the players there. I think with my head, it would be like, well, we'd probably want to get a corner if we didn't get an edge in Ramon. We want to get an edge, you know, interior mm-hmm. offensive line. Those are all sort of chalky, right? So let's go with like a heart pick. And this is also when we touched on on the show, which is like, you know, Darnell Washington, right? If he falls, this I is a guy this. that... Yes. Like, this is a guy, like, especially if they take Bijan first, because then you start to put together, like, this is a coherent plan now. Like, we're going to get Bijan, then we're going to go to the second round, and if Darnell Washington's here, we're going to get Darnell Washington, because he, they need receiving weapons. They do, and I think Darnell Washington definitely offers you that. Um, He's not... Your like typical receiver that you would take here, but he does give <laughs> yeah. you a really big target in the red zone, a good possession uh, we- weapon as well. And the Falcons aren't afraid of rolling out three tight ends at once. And at, at this point, if you take Darnell Washington, you're probably saying, you know what, Kyle Pitts, actually, you can just go play outside. Like, go ahead, it's okay. Um, we don't. We like actually, we don't need your block anyway. anymore. Yeah. So. Um, Darnell Washington's the the best run blocking tight end I've ever scouted. He's huge. Uh, he, he looks like an offensive tackle at times. He also is a great pass protector. So look, if you've got McGarry with a difficult matchup on that right side, we know McGarry has sometimes struggled with the elite, you know, speed guys with the elite power guys. A lot of tackles do put Darnell Washington over there and just see what happens. Like, I mean that it, it, he is going to help more than pretty much any other tight end in that area. Um, well, and and length too.
0: like, I would say McGarry, McGarry struggles with length in particular. And Darnell Washington is like a basketball player out on the field.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, he's just a really good fit for this offense. They're clearly not afraid to utilize as many tight ends as possible. I believe there was a a play where they had four tight ends technically because Felipe Franks was on the field, uh, last year. (laughs) I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but um, you know, they they need it. They, they love the big targets. He's a huge asset in the run game. He's a big asset as a pass blocker too. And I think this in some ways, like helps your receiving core because you're like, okay, Kyle Pitts, you can actually just go play outside. Like we don't need you to block in line anymore. Mm -hmm. We've got Parker Hesse. We've got Darnell Washington for that. So you could just go play outside or in the slot as the big slot, you know, if you want to do that and, and, You know, I I think it's, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's obviously a strange start to a draft, right? If you go running back tight end, (laughs) it um, but look, this is a crazy talented tight end class. Darnell Washington and pretty much any other tight end class would be like a first round lock, but there's like four or five tight ends we're talking about in the first round. So these guys, some of these guys are going to fall. I think some teams are going to fall in love with the Dalton Kincaids, you know, the more receiving focused guys, the Falcons don't need that. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to be lucky enough to see Michael Mayer drop. I think he's the one I would probably consider over Washington just because he's more of that, like George Kittle who I think is going to offer you more both. as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and who's also a good blocker, not right. as good as Darnell Washington, but he's, he's a much more like polish ready receiver. Yes. Um, but look, Darnell Washington seems like he tends to fall to this pick frequently in <laughs> mocks and, it would be fun and it would give them like, okay, we're just going to go all in on this offense. Um, and make it and weird. Look. Yeah. And they've spent all this money on the defense. So like if they yeah, want to go all offense. in on the offense, then mm. go for it. Like that. I mean, sure. It would be nice to get another edge rusher. It'd be nice to get another corner, but we got a lot more rounds in this, in this draft to touch on some of those for things. Sure. And with all these signings, you don't necessarily need starters. You could get, a, get away with projects or, or rotational guys or, you know, more specialized players later on, um, because of all the the depth they brought in.
0: They're just adding talent at this point in the draft, which is so exciting. I mean, period going into the draft, starting from round one on, it's kind of all gravy. Like you would feel pretty solid about, I think this roster going in today. And like, that's, that is not a position the Falcons have been in for a long time. And so, it's certainly not what most seven and 10 teams feel like coming in. So that's, that, that is, is where it is all, all a little bit gravy and Darnell Washington, you mentioned all the tight ends in this class, but the Falcons are in a position, one of the unique positions because they have Kyle Pitts, because they now have John U. Smith, like they can take a tight end, who is a little bit weird and odd and, and not anything that we've kind of seen before, but is elite in like, some very key areas and key areas that the Falcons would utilize as effectively as any team in this in the NFL. So I love that pick. I think it's great, even though it is a little bit outside of the box and a little bit kind of like hat on a hat on a hat, but let's, let's do it. Let's just keep on putting hats on. So you went running back in the first round. I'm going running back here as well. And in this, again, the the mock draft that I ran to kind of just see who was going to be there. Jameer Gibbs, uh, he was there at pick number 44. I think that there's a chance that, you know, that's also the case, um, come the actual NFL draft. And I just, I pulled this from Dane Brugler's, uh, scouting guide from the athletic, because I think that this, this should be so exciting. And the actual two comparisons that he calls out are Alvin Kamara and Chris Johnson as kind of comps for Jameer Gibbs, that he's a mixture of those two guys. He says, overall, Gibbs doesn't have ideal size or run power for NFL punishment, but he is an electric athlete with the explosiveness, vision and pass catching skills to be an exciting NFL weapon. That's kind of just what like the Falcons are missing, like that type of player. I think that's what Cordero Patterson has been at times. But I don't know if you rely on him to continue always being that forevermore. And so I think bringing in somebody who, again, can really move around your offense because of his pass-catching abilities, similar to a Bijan Robinson. You have that Alvin Kamara, almost Christian McCaffrey-like you know, flexibility, which is something Arthur Smith loves in his offenses. And you can be in this situation where you technically have two backs on the field, but one of them is split out wide. You still have Tyler Algier as your hammer in the backfield. Like You can get both of these guys on the field at the same time, which I think is interesting, but you can also just hand the ball off to Jameer Gibbs from the backfield and let him take it 65 yards to the house. Like that is something the Falcons, I think, have been missing a little bit over the last two years is that real explosive home run threat. Like, yes, Cordero Patterson can can do it from time to time. Alamade Zacchaeus can do that from time to time, but consistently, these guys that can just take it from 50 yards out and score. I'd like to have more of them on this offense. And nobody I think defines that in this class, maybe more than Jameer Gibbs. So let's go. Like, let's just, let's draft Jameer Gibbs.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I like Jameer Gibbs. I think he's a little bit underrated for the fact, I feel like people, when they get past Bijan, they just forget running back until day three. They're like, okay, we didn't take Bijan. We're done. Mm -hmm. And there's reasons for that, right? Like it, Day two is just chock full of guys that you would want to add. Like this is the strength well, and of this draft also class think, is day two.
0: Um, I kind of think the the like current consensus among just anybody who cares about the draft, like from for all levels of interest is just like you either we talk about the two guys that could go in the first round at running back or you're just like third or fourth round, just get one in the third or fourth round. Yeah. That's all anybody says anymore. is like just third or fourth round. So the second round has become a wasteland <laughs> where like nobody. I feel like thinks about taking a running back, but Jameer Gibbs is a yeah. perfectly good like. If you think that eight is too high for a running back, getting Jameer Gibbs at forty four, like that's not bad value because he's a very good player. He's just maybe not that elite. Sorry, continue, Kevin.
1: No, no, you're absolutely right. And like the Falcons have met, they met with uh, Gibbs at the combine. Um, you know, they clearly have shown some interest there. Uh, so I, I think that. This is, you know, someone that definitely would consider because much like Bijan, to a lesser extent, obviously, with Gibbs, he doesn't have the size, isn't the the same caliber of runner, but in terms of his receiving ability, what like one of the best, if not, you know, I think he's up there with Bijan in terms of his receiving ability um, and elite athlete. Um, so he, he's definitely someone that's more of a complementary runner, but in terms of a passing game, third down threat, uh, Gibbs is is certainly on par with Bijan and would give you that sort of, you know, lightning to, to Algiers' thunder just to a little bit of a lesser extent. But, yeah. you know, this could be something to placate the people that are like, oh, you can't take a running back high. Well, here you go. You just get <laughs> Gibbs in the second round then, so.
0: <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, and I mean, if, if one of the concerns about Gibbs is like his workload management and just can he hold up to the beating of the NFL? Well, Tyler Algier can. So that's not as big of a concern for me with this team. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Let's go to the, uh, the third round. And so Kevin, you have gone Bijan Robinson. Second round was for you. Remind me. You Darnell, are Darnell Washington. Washington. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Darnell yeah. Washington. So you've gone offense, offense, third round. Who you got?
1: So this one is, this one's tougher. Cause there's just so many options, but we're going to stick with like just players. I really like. Um, I would like to say Sidney Brown, the safety, but I, I, I just have a hard time thinking he'll fall here because of the thinness of this safety class, even though he typically does fall here, like in mock drafts, um, like simulators. So if Sidney Brown's here, then absolutely. But if, (laughs) if he's not here, I, the next name I go to is Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M, who I think has sort of had a little bit of a like mini slide to which I don't really understand. It's just one of those weird things. But this was a guy that was talked about as maybe the best safety in the draft. Um, but look, there I just tweeted about this actually before the show. Like, if you look at the safeties they've brought in or mm-hmm. or talked to, they all have one thing in common. They play the slot. Like they have a lot of experience playing the slot, playing that big nickel role. And if you want a big nickel, there ain't no bigger nickel in this uh <laughs> this <laughs> draft than Antonio Johnson, who's like 6'3, 200, just like vines for arms, uh tight end neutralizer type safety good athlete, good range, definitely yeah, more of a box really guy. He long arms. <laughs> um, yeah, like absurd. Um, yeah. He reminds you of sort of of like almost Isaiah Oliver, you know, I think he has longer arms than Oliver and that was his calling card coming out was that he just had these fines for arms. So, he he was like a big nickel specialist for Texas A&M. Um, he played a lot in the box. He's more of that enforcer type safety. Mm-hmm. His range is, is fine. It's not, I wouldn't be putting him in single high, but like, Really good man coverage. Uh, very instinctive in zone. Again, doesn't have that like elite range and athleticism that like a Jesse Bates has. But you have Jesse Bates for that. You have Richie Grant for that. You have Jalen Hawkins to play that that deeper role. Uh, you can let Antonio Johnson play in the box, play big nickel. Um, and I think he'd be a really fun player to add into this secondary that would be able to carve out that sort of specialized role early. Um, and because of the, the players you have around him, you don't necessarily need him dropping back and covering, you know, tons of grass on the back end. You can have him play a role that's more suited to his skills and it gives you a bigger, uh, bigger guy in the, in the middle. Um, you know, if, if you're playing against a team that uses a lot of tight ends, but you Mm want to stay with a lot of secondary players, maybe you rotate my cues out and you bring in Antonio Johnson to cover that extra tight end. Um, I think it gives you a lot of flexibility It bolsters your run D, which we know is really important uh, to this new staff. So Antonio Johnson is a guy that I think has not gotten enough buzz um, to the Falcons so far.
0: I, I love that pick. I, I think you did a great job kind of selling exactly why he would be different in this defense because the secondary is getting a little bit crowded all of a sudden, which is a good thing. Like if they're your defensive line rotation and your secondary, those are two great places to kind of be like, there's a lot of options here. Do we need this many options? But Yes, you usually do during the course of the NFL season. But adding, you know, Johnson in and and having an idea for really how to use him differently than everybody else that you have back there makes him really appealing. Um, And and certainly, you know, there could be some special teams value there as well. So, like, I I think that that's a a really cool um, pick. And I was in a very similar mindset because I also went secondary with this one. This is a totally different type of player, and I'm really curious to get your reaction on it because I I don't know if this. If this is where the Falcons would go, um, and he's here in the third round, I think he will be here in the third round because of size concerns. Although a lot of people think that he can be like a second round talent, but that's Emmanuel Forbes, um, and he's small. The needle, right? the needle, yeah, <laughs> Mel Kuyper, uh, the needle. Um, he reminds me so much of Jeff Okuda, who the Falcons just traded for, but he's just like twenty five pounds lighter. Like he's just much smaller than than Jeff Okuda is, but. They both bring like a lot of savvy, a lot of intelligence to the position. I think that they, because of that, they can be scheme versatile. I'm going to stop using they because I'm just talking specifically about Emmanuel Forbes at this point. Um, You know, I think that one thing that I loved about him was his mentality. Just like watching him on film, the dude is chirping. He is talking all the time. He is just a motor mouth. And he reminds me a lot of Chauncey Gardner Johnson in that way, who we know, you know, has that Saints DNA was which Terry Fontenot and Ryan Nielsen, even though Ryan Nielsen did not have a direct hand so much in kind of the secondary. I think that that mentality still is infectious in a defense and you kind of need some of that on the defense. And I don't think the Falcons have had enough of that recently of kind of just like, I'm going to shit talk you until you lose your mind. Like D'Angelo Hall, would you, would you do that? But the Falcons have not yeah. had somebody like that in a while I think that's kind of what Emmanuel Forbes brings. He I like special teams I think is going to be really crucial for third fourth kind of like those day 2 picks because Atlanta really values special teams and you almost should look at those picks as like starters on that third unit for this team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Emmanuel Forbes is big enough to could he be kind of your your around the end on kick block maybe like but He scares me there a little bit. I just think they're going to want to keep adding depth. He is a little bit of a different type of body, but he's not going to be on the field a ton, ton early on. I think they could work with him and he's just really smart. I I think he is kind of a playmaker uh, in, in making if, if a team just trusts that he can hold up. And so as receivers get smaller, maybe we can welcome smaller cornerbacks into the league as well. And that's also part of my rationale here. He's just fun. And I'd like to, I think he could be a good NFL player and I would like to see that happen here in Atlanta.
1: Yeah. He's a real interesting one. Um, because the buzz that I've typically been hearing is that he's a first rounder, which blows my mind because I've yes, never yeah, seen just a cornerback think... that light before. Yeah. Yeah. So if he um, is, then the, of course I want yeah. him in Atlanta. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, so like I, I disagree that he's a first rounder, but, um, it, he seems like a second round type of guy to me, but like, look, it, he needs to put on 20 pounds and like that yeah. is a lot of weight, um, especially for someone under 200, because you're talking about like more than 10 percent of their body weight. So I, it scares me that he hasn't been able to put that weight on. But this is something that, look, you have to learn for yourself as an NFL team. And I think the team that yeah. drafts him will be confident that they can do it. But he's not going to make it at 165 pounds in the NFL. Uh, he's going to get bowled over by every single running back that comes his way. He's going to be <laughs> a liability out there in run defense. So it may take him, you know, a year to get up to to the right weight. But I still think he can offer you stuff. Um, and obviously, I think the coverage instincts are really good. I think his tape as a whole is really good. It's just it is it, yeah the weight the weight didn't hurt him as much in college. And look, he has enough length. Like he's not small. He's like he's right. just light. You just worried- need yeah. I
0: could just see in a whole money ball (laughs) scouting situation, guys are just sitting in a room talking and, and somebody just goes, yeah, but what if an offense just decides to run at his side for the entirety of the game? What then? Like, what if you just have Derrick Henry running right end arounds 35 times in a game and, and guys will be like, "Uh, Oh my God, that changes everything we have to like, it's, you could see that in a nightmare scenario being such a liability that, that whole rooms just get scared off by that question. And like that would be brought up. But I think that's a little overblown.
1: Probably a little overblown. And like, look, if they're if they're going to commit that hard to the run, you just go back to base package. Right. I mean, at that point, like you you, you don't make Emmanuel Forbes play the slot uh, to go against Derrick Henry (laughs) in in the gap. But, um, you know, I I think he's a very good player. He's a unique prospect. Like I've never seen a cornerback that small, um, like in terms of weight. So he has to put the weight on. It it's something that should be possible. Uh how long does it take? That's the question. But if you're taking him in the third round, you're not taking as big of a risk. So I'm much more in right. favor of taking a shot at this point. That's part, why I think it's possible
0: he does slip. And again, we're talking early third round right. here. So I mean there there's a chance. Yeah. How much how much did Brent Grimes weigh? Was he like 170? I, I think he was like, like 175
1: the, to yeah, 180. He was the light he was the other corner. He was the only other one that's been in this weight range, I'm pretty sure. Well, there you
0: Um, go. Worked out the first time around.
1: Yeah, but he's an an incredible outlier. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And and a different type Uh, of player. Brent Grimes was like... He was 185. He was 185, which is still light.
0: Yeah, but but like 20 pounds heavier than... Okay, so yeah, the needle is... That's what what I'm saying.
1: He's got to put 20 pounds on. And Brent Grimes is also 5'10". Yeah. so man. that's, That's the other reason why it's so strange is that he has the frame to easily put on this weight. So why hasn't the weight... Come on, Get that like dude it's not pieces. like he's five
0: eight. Come on, Papa John sponsor yeah, him.
1: We got it. Who Little was it? One of the offensive the linemen was talking about uh, like you know peanut butter sandwiches and shakes three four times a day every day. Oh, there was um, a there but, was an old athletic yeah. piece
0: I think Joe Thomas did. Yeah, or, yeah. Or or maybe it was the Ringer. It was maybe it was Players Tribune. I don't know, but he was basically detailing just his daily diet, um, and it was insane. It was like four pizzas. And then he would go home and eat like two plates of spaghetti and meatballs for dinner and then like a carton of ice cream. And he he hated doing that because he was just a natch. He would like start losing weight as soon as he wasn't eating. It's insane. Yeah. But yeah, get him on. It's hard.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, people don't realize how, especially when you get into the 200 plus, like 250 plus, 300 plus offensive line weight, like you're losing like 10 pounds every single practice. And you have to go back and a lot of it's water. So you can drink it right back up. But it's like. I mean, you have to work at the weight aspect of it. It's not just weight It's mm-hmm. not just practicing, learning the playbook. Like, you have no, to yeah. and, and take care of your body. That's why a lot of the these facility. guys have, you know, yeah. Yes, oh so, yeah.
0: Yeah. They're snacking. They have like private seven.
1: nutritionists, private chefs, yeah. you know, yeah. Like, so, I mean, and you have to. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I think people don't get is like, if you're a practice squad guy, it's like you're you're making decent money but like do you have enough to to get your chef to get like all this stuff going and, and maintain your weight while doing all this i mean it, it's it's very challenging um and it's 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 underrated but yeah for you would think that forbes would be able to put the weight on but it it's just concerning that he hasn't you know you you think with guys it's like if it's just like uh i didn't need this in college it's fine they usually yeah. do it for the combine and he did not so that that's a little bit concerning but again at the third round it's like well. I mean, the tape's really good. I I think,
0: again, a team team will know. They'll do their diligence. And there's a chance that he goes pretty early because, yeah, there's a legit reason why he kind of held off on putting that weight on. But that, sure, we think that he can, you know, who knows? Um, All right, let's go to the fourth round. We've got four picks left, two in the fourth, two in the seventh. Um, So we'll kind of go a little bit quicker here because, honestly, like, I don't know how much my heart can be into guys uh, from the fourth round (laughs) So invested. Yeah, day Uh, (laughs) three, let's go, yeah. But, all right, so pick
1: number uh, 110. Who you got, Kevin? So this probably flies in the face of what a lot of people want. Um, I think people really want the Falcons to take a receiver, like, on day two. And sometimes it works out, like, on the live mock, we had Cedric Tillman fall, Mm -hmm. Jonathan Mingo. Now, we just had a mock draft today with Jonathan Mingo, went twenty six uh to uh oh, peter schrager's mock or whatever uh jonathan mingo went 26 so like maybe jonathan mingo goes in the first round i don't know so but you know nobody knows anything at this time it's, no nobody it's knows anything.
0: full crazy season
1: the texans are passing on quarterback again Will so you know yeah
0: they're gonna take jaylen Carter, i don't believe too.
1: i don't believe you yeah <laughs> i don't believe you but um you know uh I, I think honestly, like pick one ten is a pretty good place to take a receiver, and you never really know how the board will fall. But there's a lot of interesting guys in that spot, and the one I always come back to is Jaden Reed. I've probably mocked him to the Falcons like four times at this point. Um, I wrote a draft
0: profile for him on SB yeah.
1: Nation. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and he's not a wide receiver too. He's not this like high end like guy that's going to get a thousand yards, so, like. But Jaden Reed can do everything. He can play outside. He can play the slot. He can take end arounds. He can line up as a running back. Um, I, I heard he was in the almost up into the two hundred range, like plus uh, during the season. He was carrying a lot more weight, and he, he slimmed down for the combine and, and the Senior Bowl. Um, so if you want him to carry that weight and be more of like a you know slot, like a tough slot, you know yards yeah. after catch guy, he can do that too. He, everything he does is so smooth. He's a great route runner. Terrific hands. He's got enough athleticism to threaten deep. He's got a lot of yards after catch skill. He just checks every box. He's a perfect wide receiver three guy that can literally line up and do anything. And I think he's a great fit for the Falcons because he's an awesome run blocker. First of all, that's we mm-hmm. know that's the only thing they care about. Right. So, yeah, he's competitive. Uh, <laughs> yes. And like and great. They, they aren't. He is. So like if, if Avery Williams were to get hurt, you've got a guy back there that you can rely on. And and, you know, Cordell Patterson obviously is going to be your main uh, kickoff returner, but he's only here for one more year and you need two guys back there. So you got Avery, you got Jaden Reed going forward. So um, that that obviously special teams, he's going to be a demon um, as a special teams guy. And then uh, look, the Falcons don't feature a slot receiver. We talked about this, but (laughs) I think it makes a lot of sense for them to get a guy that can play both so that you have someone nice to put in the slot. If you, if you want to have a slot receiver out there, but that he's not limited to only being on the field in 11. Um, so I, I think he's a perfect fit. I love his attitude. I love the way he, he crushed it at the senior bowl. I mean, I think he was arguably the best receiver there. Um, he does everything well. He just doesn't excel in any one area, and, and that usually leads to guys falling because they don't have that trump card. But I think he's a perfect wide receiver three long-term for the Falcons and a good value if he, if he makes it down to 110.
0: Yeah, I think that he's athletic enough. I mean, a player that he gets calm to a lot is Tyler Lockett, right? So he's that type yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of kind of fun jitterbuggy, but not like a total joystick player, but also fast, but not like a true Tyreek Hill speed. Like he does a lot of everything at a high level. And he is also, it is bolstered by his competitive mindset, which is something that the Falcons would really be sold on. So yeah, he's, he's got some of that like Steve Smith dog in him, even though again, true to his nature, he's not the most Steve Smithy player in the world. Like he's 75% of like everything, which is really solid, especially in the fourth round. Um, hey. so my, my pick here and you're going to have to help me with a, with the, I'm pretty sure on this pronunciation, but you know, Kevin, I think he's a, a favorite right. of yours if I remember correctly, but it's Alabama linebacker, Henry To'o Yeah,
1: I think it's, yeah, I think it's either To'o or To'o To'o, but, uh, it's one of the two. But yeah, okay. it's definitely the apostrophe you like hold off and then you say yeah, it. To-o, um, to-o. I was I was in Hawaii two years ago and I learned the apostrophe stuff. Um, I don't know if he's actually a Hawaiian or if he's Polynesian or something like that. But typically the, the apostrophe means you just hold off before pronouncing it a little bit. So
0: so it's basically a comma just, you know, on just. Flipped. Yeah. OK. A vertical
1: yeah. comma. Yes. <laughs>
0: I, I think it's pretty I think that's pretty, uh, pretty self-explanatory because that that was my first thought was Henry To Oto. All right. Um, So, you know, Alabama linebacker, I think that this is purely a a great special teams upside pick. Like, I think he has the chance to be like that Leroy Reynolds, who's just like a king special teams player for a long time. Um, And he is a little bit of a different type of player than what they've got at linebacker now. Like he is more of that Rashawn Evans hey, I'm going to be really smart. I'm going to diagnose things. I'm going to be the first of the ball and rally everybody behind me. He's a little bit smaller, but I think that you can kind of weirdly live at that now with the linebacker. Like the, that second level of your defense, size is not as clearly defined as it used to be. And the way that they've got some of these bigger linemen now in front of these guys. I think you can get away with a a little bit of a smaller player like you could when you had a Deion Jones. Um, And he is that type of read, react, get to the ball uh, type of player. He's not super long. So you worry about him taking on blocks. But again, if you can keep him clean, I really like that. And then you surround him with these bigger, longer, like weird body types of players and a Kaden Ellis and a Troy Anderson That is where he's a little bit different than those types of guys. But he also fills that type of leadership savvy. I've called defense at the highest level for Nick Saban, like that type of player in the middle. And yeah, I I don't know who that is at the moment for Atlanta. Like, I think the veterans they have are more on the edges. And I'm looking at the interior of their linebacking core. And I, I don't know who that is. So maybe it's, maybe it is Troy Anderson. Like maybe, maybe he's that type of player and he's ready for that. But that's why I think he would fit with this defense.
1: Yeah. I think, I think two like two two, like it, it it's sort of, we've come like way too far. Like at one point he was almost like a first rounder and that was way too high. <laughs> then he was like a second rounder and that was also a little high, but now it's like fourth round and it's like, okay, like he, he's a day two guy. Like he's small. He's not, he's, but he's very smart. Um, He's, he's athletic. Like he checks a lot of boxes. Um, Really good special teams guy. I think this is like a late day two type of running back or not running back linebacker. Um, And I think he makes perfect sense for all the reasons you mentioned. I think they will be looking for a more coverage focused linebacker um, in this draft based on what they brought in. Right. They got Caden Ellis, Mm-hmm. who's honestly like fine in coverage. Like he's not bad at coverage. It's just not his like strong. I mean, he's a tight end coverage guy. He's not yeah. a running back. Coverage but He's guy. like a rusher um, and then a tight end yes, coverage guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you got Troy Anderson who like, look, Troy Anderson has elite man coverage upside, clearly a little bit lost in zone still, but he's had a whole <laughs> off season. Maybe he'll be more reliable there, but they don't really have that coverage focused guy that more like weak side linebacker, um, you know, Dion Jones type, right. Yeah. Um, that's going to be your, your running back, Guy, um, and I think Troy Anderson has the ability to do that. I think they should play him more in man coverage. I think they were making him play all that zone when he clearly didn't know how to do it. it was a little bit rude, you know. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, sink or swim, right? Um, yeah. So it it's I, I think Henry Two Hundred Two is is a great option there. Um, it, it sounds and, like you know, though
0: you know that this particular mock draft that I did last night to prep for this probably should have run maybe more than one gotten a little bit of a bigger sample size but no he, no i you know think, these guys I think are going a little bit later than than where they could yeah. what about diabate because i also thought well, about that, yeah he's that's gonna my be guy. there right oh yeah. that's gonna be your guy yeah, for yeah. next?
1: hell well, yeah let's do it i don't know if i i don't know if i was gonna do well i will now well we'll just transition it i mean i, okay, I was cool. thinking about a couple defensive guys but diabate i on uh what uh Monday's mock, I traded down in the second round and picked up an extra fourth from the Bears. And I took Diabate at that fourth, which is like one thirty-three. But it's he's in this range for sure. Okay. Um and like they this is a guy, like I think he was in literally my first mock that I did like during the season or something like that. Um and like Diabate, I can't believe he wasn't invited to the combine. Um <laughs> I mean, it, it's ridiculous to me. Uh i yeah, I wanted to see
0: he could Insane athlete.
1: Um yeah, I'll pull it up. I mean, it's like 13 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, 58 total tackles at a, you know, it's the Pac-12, but it's still Power 5 school. Um, like, how does this guy not get a... He tested out as, like, a over a 9.0 RAS at his pro day, like, mm-hmm. triangle invite. Um, so I, I don't understand why this guy wasn't invited to the combine. But it <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, he's certainly worth it. And look, just a really interesting player. Again, sort of fits the the mold of the Falc what they've been gathering so far right like they've they've gone after these linebackers who have a lot of rush upside yeah. um because we don't know exactly what Ryan Nielsen wants to do but I think we can suspect that since he was managing the front that the the front of this defense is probably going to look pretty similar to New Orleans we don't really know what the coverage on the back end is going to look like but um you know Jerry Gray is probably going to be handling that for the most part but diabate is that that type of linebacker right he's smaller um he does have very good length so he's six three and a half with over 32 inch arms so he's got the length to match up he with tight ends a little a bit lot of lighter
0: michael walker coming out of uh mm-hmm. fresno state right like that yeah. type of weird hybrid linebacker edge guy but like similar yes. body type
1: yeah it is it is a similar body type and um i guess maybe slightly better athlete than michael walker yeah, but i mean kind of so. splitting hairs um because Michael Walker was a good athlete too, but I think like uh, it, he's just really good and I think he fits what they want like, uh, tremendous blitzer, very good, you know, guy who played some edge part time, uh, great sideline to sideline range, really good instincts. Um, light, I think he played at 225 and that's what he measured in at the combine or that not the combine because he wasn't invited, but his pro, <laughs> it's pro, day. pro day. Um, but he's he's not like a head up inside linebacker type. Like he's not going to be a guy you want shedding offensive linemen and going head up with Derrick Henry. He's a he's that that will, that run and chase, that sort of backside pursuit guy. Uh and I think he's got a lot of upside uh and coverage. He's he's already pretty good in man, um in zone, much like Troy Anderson. He a lot of times when they play when they would play zone coverage, he would just rush. So Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have a lot of experience there and needs needs work there. But like I think as a special teamer, he's gonna be a very, very good special teamer immediately. So again, that's what I think a lot of fans underrate when you're taking these players, especially early on day three, is that they yes. need to be able to start on special teams. He'd um be
0: great on special teams.
1: Yeah. So I, I think he makes a lot of sense. I think he will be available in this range. Um, they met with him, I believe, at the Shrine Bowl extensively because they were coaching there. Um, I think they may have even met with him again after that. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's, he's a guy definitely people should keep an eye out. And, um, look, they haven't added a lot to linebacker other than Caden Ellis. And I think they're, they're sort of leaving a spot for a draft pick at this point. Maybe if the draft pick doesn't come, it sounds like they've stayed in contact with Rashawn Evans. Um, so he Mm -hmm. could be someone that comes back, but I think they want to get a linebacker in this sort of range based on the ones they've visited with. And Diabate makes a lot of sense.
0: And because linebackers and fullbacks and tight ends, these are key special teams guys on like all your special teams. Yeah. So if you can get mm-hmm. like, that's why Rashawn Evans is kind of maybe on the back burner. Cause like he can do a lot of stuff for your defense, but he's not bringing really anything special teams wise. So if you can get a young yeah, guy he doesn't play who, special teams. Yeah. who has the upside and play special teams, like that could be a factor in their decision-making here. So um that I, I love that. I'm, I'm glad I prompted you into that because, uh, yeah, yeah, he was somebody that, that I was... I'm passionate about Diabate,
1: okay. It's a sweet name, too. Diabate, It is, I love it is.
0: Um, yeah. All right, so my second fourth-round pick, uh, that was your second fourth-round pick. So pick number 113, uh, I had Jonathan Mingo here, but based on the fact that now he's getting first-round buzz, I'm going to go with my Apparently. Other, I'm going with yeah. my other heart pick, and this is an easy one for me because he shares my last name, but it's uh, Clemson huh? offensive lineman Jordan McFadden. Um, I think that he, you know, again, I, he could be going a little bit, he could be going on day two, a little bit higher, maybe in the third round or late third round. But I I think that he brings a lot of intangibles here for uh, a great option on your offensive line. And that's something that I think Arthur Smith is going to value a lot is that just depth across the board, adding guys who in a pinch, because the Falcons were really lucky last year with their offensive line health like it is not very common that your offensive line kind of stays largely healthy the way that they did last year. And you've got to expect, all right, is, is this knock on wood? One of the years where like Jake Matthews and his incredible longevity, you know, maybe there's a a slip up that you weren't expecting or yeah, I'm not going to name any other names, but like you guys all know what I'm talking about and having youth, but also somebody who has started a lot of games and was a team captain at Clemson, you know, a high-level program for most of his time there. Dabo Swinney, obviously there's connections with kind of the Falcons through Grady Jarrett. And I know that like the, the organizations, you know, they talk and, and communicate. And so that is something where I, I think that you look at him as, yeah, potentially swinging inside the guard and that there's upside there long-term. But in a pinch, he's proven that he can play tackle, things like that, so you can slide them in and out as needed, and he could be a little swing-depth guy.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think like, offensive tackle in general is definitely one to watch, at least a guy that has some flexibility to go out there. This is one of the position groups that they have the fewest players at. I think they're up to six now with the signing of the former Saints guy, Greenidge, I think was his name. Um, yep. I can't remember his name now, but yeah, Ethan Greenidge. Yeah. Um, and they they did bring back like Jermaine Fetti right so they they have that sort of veteran immediate backup but you're going to keep four tackles they, had to, they did bring Tyler Vrabel back, back as well um who was last year's UDFA who stuck around um they you know Josh Miles Ethan Greenidge sort of veteran options there and like I think that they will look in this range especially for that sort of developmental tackle uh either if they don't get the one they want you know they miss on McFadden or like Wanya Morris or some of the guys in this range um mm-hmm. I think they'll look at the UDFA class pretty heavily. Yep. Um, and speaking of UDFAs, you know, well, we'll get to that more in the seventh round, but there, there was an interesting note from, I think it was an over-the-cap article uh, about the UDFA situation and the Falcons' possible strategy there. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I like Jordan McFadden. It, it's sort of, um, he's an interesting tackle, right? Because he's kind of short, but I don't think the length is as big of an issue. It's just sort of the no, height he's got is traditional No, really sort of long arms. Yeah.
0: He's just like a, yeah. which is why I think a lot of people have him moving inside. A little bit
1: is because he is a little it's more.
0: Short, but it's weird.
1: It's more about the arm length than the height, honestly. But it, is. it honestly, like being six three. I mean, six two is a little small, but like it you have more leverage. a leverage advantage yeah. if you're that small. Yes, exactly, and that's that's a big thing. So, um, if you've got the long arms, you can you can make up for the lack of height without too much trouble. But um, he's definitely a guy that, that is interesting, um, and I think they'll definitely consider. That sort of developmental swing tackle type, especially in this range.
0: All right, let's uh, move to the seventh round then quickly, and let's touch on that over the cap bit that you learned.
1: Yeah, I think it was over the cap, um, but basically they were doing projections on how many team, how many UDFA's each team was projected to bring in based on their current roster. And as you guys know, if you've heard us talk or li- looked at my tweets, like the Falcons have the most players on their roster of any NFL team. I think they have like eighty. Um, so. They have seven draft picks right now. Um, So that means they would have 87 or maybe they have 79. I don't remember. Either way, they have, after seven draft picks, they're going to have four open spots. So over the cap was like, well, the Falcons right now, if without any other changes, they would only be able to bring in four UDFAs, but they're probably going to bring in more than that. But what they were getting at was that for a team like the Falcons, who has all these veterans in here already, they may just, go after a few choice UDFAs as opposed to going for the like giant, you know, two years ago, bring in 25 UDFA approach where they just bring in everyone they can. They may, for people that don't know, you have a limited amount of signing bonus you can give out to UDFAs. And if you're bringing in like 20 of them, you can't really afford to give it all to one or two guys. But if you're only bringing in four, you could give big signing bonuses to several guys to get, make sure you get the UDFAs you want. Um, And that was something that they floated as an option that the Falcons may decide to target a few specific UDFAs as opposed to the more scatter shot. Let's bring in 10 to 15 guys, which is pretty typical for a lot of teams. Um, So I'm I'm interested to see if that holds or if they make a lot of cuts, you know, right after the draft to bring in these UDFAs or whatever. Um, But that is that I did think that was an interesting angle that they may actually intentionally bring in fewer UDFAs and just focus on some of the higher end options.
0: Yeah, I I think that, I mean, on the one hand, if they really only can, like if they've only got a number of bots, so they're like kind of beholden to that rule. Um, But on the flip side, yeah, if that makes it easier to change that approach and say, all right, let's let's go after four premier targets and we can pay them a little bit more because we don't need to dole out our our money to 12 assets. We're just giving it to four. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. We're going to go pay for the the four best or the four that we really think like maybe that's where need comes into play a little bit more. And you say, all right, like we need more offensive linemen. Let's go get the two best UDFA offensive linemen or like the best guard and the best tackle or whatever. Like they'll figure that out, but I I like the approach. Um, so, all right, we've got two picks here to make in the seventh round. They're back to back picks. Number two, 224 and 225 you want to just give me two names of of players that you would be looking at in this area
1: yeah like i think generally in this spot you're looking for either guys at like non-premium positions that you can still get starters typically that would be like punter kicker or fullback mm-hmm. so like hunter lupke from north dakota state is someone i like to take here because is he going to be there though the falcons cl- I I think so. I would um, love to take him Fullbacks in. just don't fullbacks just don't get drafted. Uh <laughs> you know, but they clearly want to bring in competition for Keith Smith. And I don't think it's anything against Keith Smith, but he's getting up into his thirties. Mm-hmm. He he's a really good special teamer and a a good lead blocker, but he doesn't offer you anything as an actual ball carrier or receiver. He just doesn't. And that You're that's sort of his weakness. Mouth. Yeah. I mean, Keith Smith's a great guy, friend of the show, Keith Smith. Um, so <laughs> it's um no problem whatsoever with Keith Smith, and we know they value the special teams, but they they clearly want to bring in competition there. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought back John Rain, that tight end fullback, uh, from who's been here. I think the last two camps. Um, they brought in Clint Rakovich, who was one of last year's top fullback prospects. Yep. Um, and I think Lupke, look, you know, pick two twenty-five. This is the best fullback in the draft. One of the more interesting fullbacks to come out in recent memory. Um, I think if you really want to have a serious fullback competition. You could draft him here to make sure you get him. um and this is a guy that is really a better like ball carrier and receiver than a blocker uh, at this point. he I think he had over a thousand yards as a rusher for North Dakota state, had a lot of receiving production over his career. um really actually great athlete as well. I think he has like a elite r a s for a fullback. like if you run him as a running oh, yeah. back, he's actually like an eighty like an eighty seventh percentile running back too. So a different direction. Um, his blocking is like solid. It's He's like an average blocker, I would say. So that's something you're probably going to look for him to improve. But he offer he would offer you a lot more as a chess piece, right? Uh, if you want to use him more like a Kyle Usech or a Pat DeMarco. That's the where, main
0: comp I think that we've yeah. seen, right?
1: Yeah. So like if you want him to be more of a factor on offense and not just a blocker, that would be why you would go after a Hunter Lukey. And given Arthur Smith and his tendencies and the things he likes to do, I think that's probably where they would like to go with the position. Um, he's not going to be the same special teamer that Key Smith is. He's not going to be as good of a blocker as Key Smith right out of the gate. But look, we already have Darnell Washington for that. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're, we're in this draft, we're all good. The fullback doesn't have to block anymore. Uh, so, no, but it, I think he's really interesting. And at this point, like these seventh rounders probably have a 50 50 chance to make the roster. So getting a fullback is probably, that guy has a much higher chance to make the roster than any other position probably you could take here. Um, and I think he's really interesting. In terms of, like, the other spot, there it's tough to to nail down who I would really like here. There's a lot of guys that could potentially fall into this range. Um, trying to think of my my favorites. A lot of times I like to, like, go after wide receivers just cause there's always interesting wide receivers late. There's just so many that come out every year. Um, so you could go a couple of different directions here. There's usually like, there's like the big ones. So we, we did, um, we got, we got Jaden Reed. So we got more of that Jack of all trades guy. So here we could go for more of the, the big body that we know they love. Um, a guy who might be able to make the roster, but if not, could be your first guy off the the practice squad. Someone that they've been in touch with, uh, Jadon Hazelwood from Arkansas, um, big mm-hmm. body, really competitive blocker, really physical, tested out decently well, didn't run a fast 40. I think he ran in like the low four sixes. So that, that's a little that's obviously slow for a receiver, but he tested out well everywhere else. He's explosive, decent agility he's really good size. So um, I think Hazelwood is a guy they like. Um, and if they want to make sure they get him again, just take him with one of these late seventh rounders and get him into camp and, and see what he can do. But I, I think, again, someone with special teams ability, um, good blocker, and and someone that can potentially be, um, you know, one of your last guys on the roster or one of your first guys off the squad.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that he's, he's a big slot, <laughs> which when you're looking yeah, at,
1: yeah. at Falcons
0: receivers, they have a lot of guys who could match that description or at least big outside guys who are capable of playing in the slot like Kyle Pitts or Drake London. Um, So yeah, you you get Hazelwood in here and maybe that gives them the freedom to move those guys outside on a little bit more frequent basis. And, and again, yeah, you're, you're talking about just get guys in camp who can do a lot of different things. He can give you a bunch of looks to simulate some of those things, which is also important when you're factoring in, all right, what can a guy do in camp? Um, How can he, help us out if you can do a bunch of different things well or something that is valuable to the roster and that they want to certainly work against I think that that is is very beneficial I kind of and we don't have to get into this this full take here now but I have been wondering how many teams are going to be studying the Falcons offense last season to try to get ahead of that like for this upcoming year because certainly the team the Falcons are a team considered a little bit on the rise they're going to get better you're going to maybe be up against this type of offense in a more meaningful game with the playoffs on the line or something like that. So, our teams, because it's so different, it's such an outlier, they're going to try to get their minds around it a little bit more to defend that. So, therefore, should the Falcons try to stay one step ahead and change progressively? So, I wonder how much are they just going to keep adding big receivers or are they going to go with more of a Jaden Reed and a different type of skill set? You know, I'm just. Privately curious about that. Um, but yeah, yeah. My seventh round picks. Um, first one is special teams still kind of in mind first in or at the forefront of my thinking here. But I always look for athleticism late in the draft, uh, just some coachable upside. And that's Charlie Thomas out of uh, Georgia Tech for me. You know, again, another linebacker. You have him very much like involved on a lot of the special teams. But he is somebody who I think can come off the edge a little bit more as well and bring some of that downfield, downhill mentality that the Falcons have been, as you said, looking for at their at their linebacking core. So they look at, at local guys. You know, Terry Fontenot mm-hmm. said, hey, we don't just look at the University of Georgia players. We put a peach next to anybody from the state of Georgia. So Georgia Tech, uh, local dude, they would like to add him, kind of like they did with a pair of Georgia Bulldogs last year late in the draft. Uh, so that gave him a little bit of a a bump here. And then a couple of guys who you know, could be there, could, could not be, uh, Christian, it's the uh, the safety, another really, really small guy. So I don't know if you add both Emmanuel Forbes and him, cause then you're getting really <laughs> the double the needle. second level, yeah. but he's like, he's at, he thinks he's, he's Johnson, you know, your, your, uh, third round grab. Like he thinks he's that type of dude. He is so in the box, like loves to hit guys. He's just small. Like, but he, nobody told him that and he goes up and plays physical. And I think that he's really, um, interesting again, from a special team standpoint, because he could be like just flying down the field as, as your gunner, um, and brings that tweener size. So that's fun. And then Nesta Jade, uh, Silvera, the defensive tackle, just because I, I feel like he's a bigger body that you could add and mm-hmm. a little bit different, but more that Timmy horn, um, Jaden Dalton, like that type of, of body. Um, or Jalen Dalton. Uh so yeah, I I think that those were three where my head was going. Obviously, they're all on the defensive side of the ball. That's more because of special teams. But if if they can add um fullback, uh what is it, Loopke? What's his
1: Loopke? Yeah, Hunter Loopke.
0: Yeah, okay, Loopke. I freaking love that. I think that's it. I've never seen anyone attempt. I never remember his last name. Um, yeah, so (laughs) Loopke. Uh no, I think he's a great addition. Honestly, I just I kind of feel like he's gonna be gone by then just cuz of the use check like of it all like you throw that name around and people i think get excited uh so i would be very excited if he was still there um but this has been pretty long so let's wrap this up uh quickly <laughs> kevin how do you feel about your draft you feel good
1: i, I mean it, it's it's creative right um you know <laughs> going to be really salty that there wasn't an edge rusher in it i'm sure um but look i mean i tweeted about this also recently like it, they have room to add like one to two players to the to the edge and interior total. Like, yeah. look at who they have on the roster. Um, they have five edge rushers right now. If you count Campbell as an edge rusher, or they have five interior guys. If you count Campbell as an interior guy, he's going to play both. So I don't really care if you <laughs> want to argue that he's interior or yeah. edge. Doesn't matter to me. Um, I had him listed at edge that he was going to play end. Yeah. I mean, he, he said he was going to play in at his press conference, so that's where I've Trying to project him,
0: the starting positions for this yeah, defense is in, don't, it's don't so bother. hard.
1: Ten defensive linemen is probably the most they're going to keep because if you go to 11, you're going to go to four at some other position group, and I think that is pretty dicey for the most part unless there's like injuries on the defensive line and you have to carry an extra guy. like You would have to go to four linebackers or you'd have to go to four safeties, um, and I don't think they want to do that. So... I think they're going to keep 10 and they have, I think nine guys assuming Eddie Goldman like plays, uh, that they're probably are close or reasonably close to roster locks at this point. So, um, they could, they don't really need to add another edge. I think if there's one in an advantageous spot, like you mentioned, Tyree Wilson, um, on, on our next mock, I'm going to bring another guy into the conversation at eight. So uh, in our, (laughs) in our next episode, a little tease for you guys. Um, but, uh, you know, I think they don't have to force it, like if they don't have someone they love. So um, yeah, I imagine people are going to be most salty about the lack of corner or the lack of, you know, edge. But um, look, they've made moves at both those spots to where they don't necessarily need to force it. They can roll with the guys they have and they're in good shape. Um, So, you know, they they have a lot of players, a lot of veterans, a lot of starters, potentially. Um, You would like to get more young guys in here, but I think they should just roll with the best players that are there. Uh, and I think that's basically what we did uh, or at yeah. least tried to do. Obviously, we we don't you know, know who's actually going to be there, but
0: for sure. No, I mean, I think that the you definitely help the offense. And that is something that I could see the Falcons really legitimately doing throughout this draft because they have spent so much on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I, you know, I think Tyree Wilson is still in play, but again, like that's, that's where you're getting at. And it's a little bit of that undrafted free agent mentality. Like you're adding one premier person at the position, not like, Oh, we'll draft him. And then we'll draft Will Anderson. And then we'll draft BJ O'Jolari, which is kind of what they did in free agency. And I know if you drafted all three of those guys, yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Like, but that's not possible. Um, but I don't think it's going to be the shotgun approach. I think it's going to be one targeted guy that if they feel like they can get, they'll feel good about it. And then they're done. Outside of that. Yeah, I think offense is definitely in play. So yeah, that's that's what we've got for you uh, for today's show. Definitely be on the lookout for part two of this, uh, which Kevin and I will line up and figure out and we will do it on his show. But it is awesome to have you uh, part of the belief network, man. I'm really excited that you're here
1: absolutely happy to be here will uh, a lot of fun looking forward to to more of these conversations throughout the uh the off season and then end of the season i'm sure we'll have some interesting stuff lined up for you guys too so
0: definitely um and yeah the off season we'll have to get some downtime at some point dude it's <laughs> yes, been a long yes. draft season i am
1: gonna take a vacation uh, so you know uh, yeah month of, <laughs>
0: month of uh, june just gonna be uh, yeah absolutely dead but Until then, we are going to have so much draft coverage that you guys are not going to be wanting for anymore. So that will do it for the mock draft with our hearts. Stay tuned for the mock draft with our heads. And of course, a lot of great draft coverage coming up all next week in the lead into the actual event. So thank you again, Kevin. That will do it for today's show. Thanks again to Kevin for hopping on and, and really going through that exercise. I thought it was very interesting. Uh, I would encourage you if you want to follow my method for this. And of course, I've, I've tried to watch as much as I can. Um, with Newborn, candidly, I've probably watched less this year of all the draft prospects than I have in years past, um, certainly less than when it was my job actually covering the uh, Falcons for atlantafalcons.com. But go through the mock draft, find whatever tool you want to use, Pro Football Network, PFF, uh, whatever mock draft simulator uh, that you want to use out there just run through the list. And what I did was kind of see like four or five guys that I liked. I went back and rewatched some of their film, just really kind of compared contrasted thought about, all right, what has the team done so far in my mind in this mock draft? And then where would they go here? Stacking, you know, special teams, offense, defense, trying to, to think through all of that. It's a good exercise just to put yourself in the mindset of the conversations that are taking place now and will continue throughout the, uh, the draft process and up until you know day one, day two, and day three of the NFL draft. They happen in live time, but there's also a lot of scenario planning. And you can kind of take part in that right now, is, is just say, okay, what if things broke this way? What if Jalen Carter is still there at number eight? Do I take him? Do I feel comfortable with that? Put yourself in their shoes. So that was kind of why I wanted to do something like this today. But definitely be sure to check out um part two of this that will be coming on uh Kevin's podcast soon ahead of the draft. But I promised you before the show um, or before that, that mock draft experiment that I would kind of lay out what we've got coming next week on Believe in Falcons. So obviously it's draft week. It's going to be a, a big week for everybody, for all Falcons fans. So Monday, um, Monday bright and early, 6 a.m. is when I hope to put up each of these shows, but look for it. On Monday, we're going to do a little bit of a look around the division. Obviously the Panthers, as we talk right, right now, are on the clock. So are they going to go quarterback? Which quarterback are they going to go with? Going to kind of break uh, down all of that in kind of a little quick episode Monday morning, just looking at the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers, and then how all of that could weigh in and, and shake things out at the end of the draft process, and where the Falcons might stack up. Um, so look for that on Monday. On Tuesday, we're going to do a conversation about trades. You know, I think that as we get closer and closer to the draft, I feel like it's a little bit of a possibility that Falcons could decide to hey. Number eight, we just don't feel the values here. We're going to drop back to 14, 15, 16, that range. Let's see if we can get somebody else. So it'll be a conversation about some of those players, both moving up and moving back. I, I made a or I had a piece uh, that went up on the Falcoholic recently, kind of two hypotheticals. One, Bijan Robinson. You just heard Kevin uh, draft him in, in his heart's draft. The other, Will Anderson. I think the Falcons would obviously have to trade up to get a player like Will Anderson. But is the talent that good? and They've covered so many of their other needs that is that a move worth making because he is so good and could put you over the top and be that one final piece on your defensive line. So Tuesday's conversation, will get into that talk moving up versus moving back and the players who could be there if the Falcons decide to do either one Wednesday, I'm going to do another just final mock draft. All right, we've got one more day until the draft is here. Let's go through the seven rounds and it'll be a little bit quicker uh, than today because I think it'll just be me and I'm just going to go through my rationale for each of those uh, seven rounds, really just five rounds because the Falcons, six rounds, five rounds um, because the Falcons don't have uh, a few day three picks. So we will make that a little bit quicker, probably around 30 minutes. Um, and again, just some of these guys who I'm looking at mostly on day two, day three, who I think would make a lot of sense for the Falcons. Thursday, bright and early draft day, day one of the NFL draft. My final prediction, uh, really quick, probably 10-15 minute episode. Who uh, who are the Falcons going to take at number eight? Or if they're going to move out of that, why? Uh, just explaining everything that I think, having all of the information at my disposal at that point. Um, and yeah, I'll give you my final prediction on the air so that I'm on record and you guys can hold that against me for all of eternity as I know many of you will. So look for that bright and early Thursday. After the draft, once the Falcons make their pick, I'm sure that Believe will have a national thing. Um, I'm sure I'll join you know, their live stream to break down my thoughts on, on the Falcons pick. So be sure to check that out. I'll share all the info uh, as we get closer to the event where you can find all of it. But then I'll do a quick rapid reaction uh, just on their pick. My initial thoughts, how they fit into the team. Um, I'm sure that I'll also try to jump on the media call after they make that pick, talk to their first round pick. And then Friday, you will get a much deeper uh, in-depth kind of breakdown once I've had a chance to watch the prospect. Um, Maybe again, I'm sure again, I'm sure I've seen uh, this player before because I've watched most potential first round picks. Uh, or at least a little bit of them on film. Going to try to also get OV for that Thursday night full breakdown, which you'll hear bright and early Friday morning. And then the weekend will be a little bit dicier. I'll I'll tweet out whatever the schedule will look like. I'm hoping to make it up to Flowery Branch uh, Friday evening, kind of, for day two of the draft. So who knows what will come of that. Um, But then definitely look for Monday morning, a more extensive recap of the entire draft, Where do the Falcons go from there? What is left for the UDFA process? All of that good stuff. So that is what we have coming down the pike next week. Thank you guys so much. If you're still listening, if you're still watching on our YouTube channel, it really means the world to me. Uh, Definitely trying to get better with the video. I watched so many, ironically, YouTube videos about how to get better at YouTube um, this past weekend. So trying to grow the channel, spread the word. Uh, We definitely rely on you guys to let everybody know about Believe in Falcons. Um, Subscribe where you can, like where you can, follow where you can. That is all of the uh, promoting that I'm going to do. I'm not a big fan of promoting, even though it's definitely part of the biz uh, and you have to do it. So thank you guys so much. As always, today's show was presented by Bet Online. We will see you guys next week for the start of draft week. It is going to be a very important one for the Atlanta Falcons. Let's see if they can keep the positive momentum going. Um, But until then, everybody, take care.